Welcome to the Fox Pro Podcast, brought to you by Fox Pro Game Calls. Hello everyone, you are listening to the Fox Pro Podcast. This is John Collins, and today I'm joined by a good friend, Tim Spike Davis. Tim, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us. Well, I'm honored that you guys have me, and I'm I'm honored to have you as a friend and, and to uh, work with Fox Pro as a company and to be on their podcast, and uh, just uh, really excited about this, so... Yeah, yeah, and, and you guys out there listening are probably familiar with some of Tim's cartoon work. We use some of Tim's cartoons here at Fox Pro on our social media pages, and you can also find some of Tim's Tim's work in several print magazine publications. And another thing is, Tim is also a coyote hunter. And uh, Tim, we've actually got to share a few stands together, haven't we, over the oh, past yeah. few years? Yep, yep, very memorable ones. And John, uh, years ago. Uh, uh, Invited me to come on down and do some stands with them, and I told him if he was going to invite me, I was going to show up. So I made the drive down, and uh, we've had some great times, and I've always been appreciative of your hospitality and putting me on coyotes. Yeah, well, Tim, you want to you wanna tell us a little bit more about yourself, let everybody know who Tim Davis is? Sure. Well, I uh, and it's one of the things that's kind of always been a funny aspect about me getting involved in the hunting community and, and doing hunting cartoons for magazines and different companies is... Uh, I people are always shocked when they find out I live in the inner city of Chicago, uh, probably the farthest place you could think of if somebody who'd be into hunting and coyote hunting specifically. And uh, so uh, I've lived here uh, since 1986. Been I work with a church group in the inner city of Chicago and do a lot of work there. And when I originally came to Chicago, uh, the church I work for owned some property in Missouri and. Uh, um, that's where I got into hunting and fishing of all places. I, um, a couple of the pastors were, uh, big time into hunting and fishing and they, uh, I, I did not grow up in a hunting or fishing family. And so that's where I, when I got introduced to it and, you know, I just pursued it, really enjoyed it. And, um, when I was probably in my late twenties, early thirties, I started making primitive bows and arrows and I was hunting deer and stuff. And. Well, one day I watched a um, video about, uh, it was Randy Anderson video of uh, him doing some coyote hunting. I thought that looked amazing. And uh, I was uh, pretty pumped on it. So I started messing around with the idea of coyote hunting. And I had seen some with deer hunting, but never really got a chance to get a shot off on them or anything. And knew nothing about coyote hunting. And uh, made every mistake you possibly could imagine. <laughs> um, I still do a lot of that today. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, and one of the things is, uh, you know, as I started doing this, uh, I'm, I'm probably, you know, your listeners would be shocked that somebody would actually publicly admit this, but it took me about six years between the time I started committed to trying to kill a coyote to the, when I finally sealed the deal. And, um, I generally laugh. I tell people what I lack in intelligence, I make up in determination. Right. And uh, and my wife would even question me at times, like, "Honey, either you're you're either doing something really wrong, or there are just no cats." Well, we knew there was cats there because we'd hear them at night howling. We'd go down to this property. We actually, uh, the church organization, sold that Missouri property, and years later we had some in West Central Illinois, and that's where I, my wife and I had a little cabin down there. We go down. And, that was where I did all my hunting and fishing. And, um, and so a lot of times when I'd be on stand, I would, uh, just be sitting there, you know, no, no guide show up. I'd sit there and be thinking about what, what are those coyotes going? What, what, what's going on in their life that they right. wouldn't show up? Right. <laughs> you know, maybe they got marriage problems. Maybe they, you know, got, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, and so I would, I've always been a cartoonist. I, I grew up in an artistic family and, and, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I would draw cartoons. And so that's uh, probably uh, 2010. I started drawing, just randomly drawing some coyote hunting cartoons. And um, I, uh, I, I, out of nowhere, decided, well, you know, I'm going to submit one to Predator Extreme Magazine. And that was the the, the big print uh, magazine at the time. You see at Walmart, Predator Extreme is the, you know, the nation's biggest uh, coyote hunting magazine and i uh sent some into the editor the guy by the name of mark olis and uh 
And about a couple weeks later, he wrote me back and said, man, we love this. And man, we'd really like to pick you up and pay you to do these cartoons. And can you provide us six a year? And I only had two at the time, but I, right. I went ahead and made the leap of faith and said, yes, I can. And I had no idea how I would, but uh, I started just drawing cartoons about Kyle Hunting. And, uh, and the funny thing is at the time, that moment, I had yet to actually seal the deal on a coyote. So a lot of it was stuff I had read or watched. And uh, shortly later, uh, I, I got my first I called in uh, shot coyote and uh, even that was kind of a silly or a thing that was cartoon material wise I <laughs> right. had a coyote that walked in at 80 yards and all I had on me was a shotgun and I just thought well I'm just going to go for the shot and right. I actually dropped it on the first shot nice nice I had posted that on a hunting forum and no one outright called me a liar but everyone kind of thought that it was a uh, a made up story. And so <laughs> I actually drew a cartoon about it. And the funny thing was the minute I drew a cartoon, it somehow validated the story. Well, people thought, thought it was funny and it was like, Oh, right, you must yeah. be telling the truth. Well, you I've, know? I've noticed you've got a knack for taking, uh, personal experiences or things that's happened to you mm -hmm. and, and turn them in the, in the cartoons. And, you know, yeah. you've, you've drew cartoons for my kids. Yep. <laughs> Me, yep. I remember one time, you know, I was out West and as soon as I got out there, I had, come down with the kidney stone <laughs> yeah yep. talked about that a little bit next thing i know two weeks later in the mail i get uh, a package from sure. tim you always know when tim sent you something because he's got the cartoon drawn right there on the outside of the of the letter yep. <laughs> and sure yep. enough you had a you had a I, <clears throat> it was pretty pretty funny deal about the coyote laughing at a guy having a kidney stone squad yeah. <laughs> so it was, you have a pretty well, pretty good way of uh of taking life experiences and, and putting them on paper. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate it. And that, and that's one of the things I've tried to do. It's one of the things that's actually helped me connect uh, with a lot of folks in the hunting community is uh, being able to take personal stories either from my life or, uh, I mean, most of the cartoons where I'm drawing something that uh, uh, it's usually I'm screwing up or I'm doing something the coyote out, outsmarts me, you know, All right. Uh, Right. Most hunters relate to that story. You know, they, they, oh my gosh, I've been there. I've done, I've had that happen. And, uh, but then I'll be online and I'll see guys who will have something funny happen or something in their hunt and I'll draw a cartoon about it. And, and, um, it really resonates and helps me to connect with people that I normally, I mean, usually to be honest in the hunting community, uh, always people have always been welcoming and kind to me, but the minute I mention I'm from Chicago, they're kind of like, uh, <laughs> Get a little standoffish. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like, uh, and there's a good buddy of mine downstate uh, who, uh, you know, I'd always kind of like tease him, like, hey, man, you ever need somebody to come down and carry your rifles for you? Uh, so, you know, kind of invite myself in on because this guy, you know, his name is Joey Worth. He's a coyote killing machine. And, and he goes, kind of always, he's never rude, but he's always a little, because, you know, the minute they know you're from Chicago, they say, something's got to be wrong with you. And right. I drew a cartoon about something was going on in his life with coyote hunting, and he just thought it was so funny. And the next thing I know, he's like, man, come on down anytime you want. You know? Right, right. You make somebody laugh, and it, it opens up those doors and, you know, connects with people. And, and I, so I've been fortunate that I've been able to use that skill and that talent to connect with people I probably would never have got a chance to meet. And, um and i'm just grateful for it uh and, and that's even with fox bro you know getting to know mike and steve yep. uh drawing them cartoons about uh i think it was the mike's first sunshot when he shot his first gray fox yep and it was so memorable for mike because he uh was he was he was reliving kind of his childhood experience the first time he got his first fox and so I drew a cartoon about it and man mike you'd have thought i'd, I'd have given him a gold brick i mean he uh, I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And so for me, like I said, it's just, it's, it's something I'm, I'm blessed that I have the ability and the chance to do to, to connect with people. And of course, you know, it's also nice when companies want to pay you some money for it, get, go buy some I, ammo. Yeah, or, you know. yeah, that, that's always welcome, didn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, well, tell us about, you were talking about your first hunt there. Um, you know, the first successful hunt. And I thought it was pretty mm -hmm. interesting you talking about how many years you actually spent in the field before you uh, mm -hmm. were successful. And, you know, you see that a lot of times. You see guys that will get into the sport and they try, mm -hmm. try, try, and they think they think there should be that instant success right there. And, sure. and they don't really sure. realize there's more to it than just 
picking a, a field or a woodlot and just going out there and putting the call down and pressing plate yeah. and they just come out of the woodwork. You know, that's not really how it happens. And, and you was talking about being persistent. That's what it takes. I mean, even, even if you've yeah. been into the coyote hunting world for a long time and, and I've had a lot of success, you'll still hit those dry spells and stuff like that. Sure. And that's still part of it. You just got to stay persistent because you know what the possibilities are. But, uh, oh, yeah. won't you, won't you tell us about, uh, what, what sound did you, what, what sound were you playing when that coyote actually, the first coyote that you killed? Tell us about the first well, stand. Tell us from start, start to finish. First stand. First stand that you were successful on. Well, and what had happened was on this property, I was bouncing from stand. It was a large enough property where I could bounce from stand to stand. And I had a caller from a, a, a company that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, but it was like a, um, uh, what do you call it? A, a rabbit distress sound. And, and at, at the time, they didn't even ever, because in Illinois, I just assumed the coyotes did not respond to howls. Uh, right, I never got one. Right. So I just always burned out rabbit distress you know um and there was a pastor a cow pasture on a farmer's field near our property that he always gave me permission to hunt his his middle winters uh went out and uh popped this again just randomly put this call in the middle of the field and uh laid up against this fence post i had no cover uh and uh started running this rabbit distress sound and Honestly, got to at this point in time, I'm kind of spacing out because I'm so used to failure. <laughs> right. I'm so accustomed <laughs> to failure uh, that uh, I had my uh, I had a bolt action two two three rifle, which I still own, uh, Savage, that uh, laid up against my uh, left side on some tripod or on uh, some sticks, and then I had my shotgun across my lap, and uh, sure enough, this I, you know just this mysterious animal, the coyote, actually appeared out of the pasture or out of this <laughs> right. ravine comes up and is looking at that call and it's kind of tentatively looking and it starts kind of walking towards it. Well, I'm sitting there and you're trying to figure out when that moment is when you need to make your move. Cause I have nothing to cover. I mean, I'm just laying up against the fence post and, uh, uh, I go to try to get my rifle cause I know it's a distance. I didn't walk it again. Another thing too, I've learned through the past, uh, th- through mistakes is making sure I know distances or different spots so that I can make that accurate, uh, shot when I, uh, you know, you, you only have a nanosecond to guess, right. you know, right. Uh, well, I went to go reach over, slowly reach over, get my rifle and that coyote picked me out. Like, I mean, instantly stopped and looked right at me. And I thought, Oh no, it's, it's, uh, I don't have time to get, my rifle up, get in the scope before he dumped down into that, uh, ravine. So I literally just swing up with my 12 gauge shotgun and I had, uh, double lot buck, three and a half inch shell, uh, that, uh, um, cheapest ammo I could find, you know, and I just shot at the thing. Well, I reloaded really quick because I thought even if I can get it to just be knocked off balance for a second, maybe I can get a second round down range. And that, um, that coyote dropped instantly, just just like a sack of a rock, just fell right to the floor of the pasture, and I could hardly believe it. I mean, it, it unfolded so fast. <laughs> you, was, you were sitting there thinking, "What have I done? What is happening?" Yeah, I, I just still, just the whole thing just was so unreal. And of course, I'm thinking like uh, I have the gun ready because I'm thinking this thing's gonna get up and run off. Something bad, you know. It can't be that, you know. After all this suffering for six, seven years, it cannot be have been that easy. Right. And uh, I walk over the coyotes dead, and I walked off the distance three different times. And I, I'm a shorter guy. If anyone who's seen me hunt with John Collins, you know I'm a shorter <laughs> guy. But uh, I stretched out my legs and walked this thing off, and it was well over 80 paces. Man. And uh, so pretty I, good, I just pretty was, good poke for a shotgun. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you this: with that double, uh, I've never been able to put uh, more than one pellet in that same. Uh, space at that distance ever again and it was the miracle shot of miracle shots and um so the lord was shining down on me that morning but uh, oh yeah and uh so i basically you know i mean just took every took a zillion pictures of it and i'm super excited uh and um well, like I said, I posted it on that forum, and people were polite, but they were like, you must mean 80 feet, not 80 yards, because, you know. <laughs> uh, so I drew a cartoon, uh, 
this coyote up in heaven. He's kind of upset with God. There's God staring and the coyote's kind of you know, like 80 yards with a shotgun. That's how I had to die. <laughs> and, you know, and so the minute I posted that, people just, you know, they, they thought it was funny and validated the story. But that, uh, one of the things, you know, for me, learning, looking back on that was, is that, um, you know, uh, just reevaluating each stand. Uh, I was lucky on that situation. I'm glad I, you know, in retrospect that I went with a shotgun because a lot of times trying to get a rifle up to your shoulder, if it's laying down or if it's, you know, right. not available, you, you don't, a lot of times don't even have, I mean, we've been on stance where I'm glad I had that butt of that gun up in my shoulder because oh, they pop up right out of nowhere in, yeah. and you got a nanosecond to find that spot. And so, um, Hey, the uh, first, the very first stand me and you were successful on, we had a situation mm-hmm. like that where it was calling mm-hmm. this, uh, little small crop bottom field and had a big hillside to our left which was which wooded yep. and had a little thicket there on the edge and we were looking out in front of us and to the right and all of a sudden i catch moving out of the corner of my eye and guess what mm-hmm. what coyotes what 50 yards yeah. maybe come screaming yeah. out so yeah if you had to yeah. be on the radio right there you it probably wouldn't have turned out too good yeah and so i mean for me it's been one of those things in through the years of me doing this and and again it's it, you you know it, it's good it, uh, luck favors the prepared, but there's always something that's going to be an element. I mean, I just had a hunt with Tori Cook where we had a coyote backdoor us, and I literally had to swing. I'm left-handed, and uh, so anything to my left, I mean, it could be a submarine. I'm going to have a hard time hitting it, and uh, <laughs> I have so I've practically fallen out of my chair trying to pivot around to get this coyote, and I got it, but it was uh, a lot of times it just is one of those situations where you you know you have to when you're doing a setup like that you got to know your swing where you think the coyote's going to come in yep. but there is a high potential that the coyote's going to come in where you don't want them to come in and you got to be prepared for that and um but and the funny thing is like you mentioned hunting with you you know one of the things i found out very quickly with hunting with buddies of mine who've lived in rural setups most of their life is and this is embarrassing to admit uh again my eyesight, it must be horrible. I mean, I go to the eye doctors. They tell me I don't need glasses, but I go out hunting with you and I've uh, hunted with Tori has made, made mention of this, uh, Tom Austin, a couple other guys who are like, do you not see that coyote? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I mean, I'll be, my eyes will be peeled wide open. There is a coyote coming in. I don't see what you're talking about. Uh, and so in, you know, Chicago, my field of vision usually is one block or two blocks away. Right, right. And uh, to have people like you, different guys like, hey, man, there's a cow coming at 300 yards. Man, I don't know if I could see a full-grown elk <laughs> at 300 yards. You man, definitely, you definitely got to get your eyes adjusted for your terrain. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you guys are picking out, like, ears, tails, you know what I mean? I've, uh, I had a buddy of mine one time who was like, uh, we were hunting an open field, and he said, like, there's a cow coming right down the middle of the field. I was like, I'm, like, straight – well, there was a drainage ditch and in the middle of the field and it did because of the brush and stuff. You can see he picked out the ears running. Right. Uh, and, and literally he's like, get in position, get ready. I dropped down. I still do not see this invisible coyote and 30 yards in front of this thing jumps right out of this drainage ditch right in front of me. And because I was prepared, I, I made the shot and, and, and got the coyote. But had I just been by myself kind of just chilling and spacing out, that coyote probably would have gotten away. And, right, uh, right. And so, yeah, it's good to be with somebody who actually has some decent decent vision when you're hunting because a lot of times, for me, I, and it's always made me wonder, like, how many, how many coyotes have, have come on? through that you didn't see? <laughs> didn't see or saw me before, you know, and, and I don't want to know the number. I don't ever want to know the number because right. I'm sure it's a very high number. But, uh, but, you know, for me, again, it's once you get that connection, uh, on an animal like that and especially a coyote because they are just such an amazing creature to hunt it's all worth the suffering yes, it's all it worth the uh, i mean the elation and the uh, and most people don't you know pe- most people who haven't coyote hunted is uh, don't understand this matter of fact actually i think it was one of the very first times i came down to visit you i stopped at a uh like a mcdonald's or something i was asking for directions to get to your house and and the kid recognized that I didn't have a accent. He's like, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Chicago. He goes, what you doing down here? I was like, well, I'll come down here to some coyote. He's like, you drove all the way from Chicago to a coyote hunt? And I looked him right in the eyes and goes, clearly you've never coyote hunted before. Right. And, you know, once you do, 
you get in the car, you drive pretty much anywhere in the country, you know, to, it has because a, it's just that definitely exciting. Has a, definitely has a way to get into your blood. And just like you said, oh, yeah. from that, that first successful stand, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I can speak for you. It probably kind of changed your life, <laughs> you know. It, oh. It, oh, no, absolutely. And, and um, you know, the, the best way I've seen it, you know, there's a lot of guys, when you talk to guys who are into hunting, guys generally, I'd say 80 to 90% of guys I me they prioritize their species, you know, and there's guys who like, they'll say they hunt coyotes, but really they're more deer hunter. They're more a uh, goose hunter, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. And coyotes ha- predator season used to usually is a, uh, secondary, right. if nothing else is going on. And there's a guy I read years ago online. He said, uh, oh, you want to know what kind of coyote hunter I am? I'm the kind of guy that push away a mature buck out of the way just so I could shoot a, a uh, coyote come running into the call, you know, <laughs> My kind and of I kind of laughed at that. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yep, that pretty much defines me. Like I, I wouldn't pass up deer hunting, but if somebody said I had an option to go deer hunting or cow hunting, I'd take cow hunting any day. And, oh, uh, yeah. I get, I actually get asked that a lot. Uh, uh, I've been asked numerous, numerous times. If you can only hunt one species, species of animal for the rest of your life, what's it going to be? And I don't even hesitate. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's coyotes. <laughs> and yeah. I need to like, yeah. they'll look at you like, are you serious? Like, Mm-hmm. I take the coyotes. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think that most of the people, and, and I think one of the things that was interesting to me is uh, talking to people who, even in rural areas down at our property, the farmers would always kind of scratch their head because they would see coyotes a lot of time, but it was usually when they were driving around their truck. Right. Uh, they didn't, they didn't look at them as an animal that was really savvy in the way, cause they didn't, you know, they didn't bother to hunt them. Uh, and I told him that, I says, you know, it's, coyotes have gundar. That's why I call it, jokingly call it gundar, because right. they know yeah. when you don't got a gun. You know, right. it's like uh, you're in your truck or you're in your combine, they'll just walk right out in front of you. And uh, my wife and I had that happen several times. We'd be down on this piece of property and I'd hunt for coyotes in the morning. And in the afternoon, we'd go on a four-mile walk together. God, there's we, a coyote. I can't, I can't tell you how many times we have coyotes walk right in. My wife would look at me like, you, you are you the worst coyote hunter ever. <laughs> you can't kill these things? You, well, you know, the next time we went on a walk, I had a rifle on my shoulder. Never you know? see one, yeah. Never yeah. see another kid. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, again, it just adds that much more of an element to me of the, the thrill of the hunt. And, and I know that a lot of times when people will see me holding the coyote up, or and I know you'll, you'll agree with this too, a lot of people who haven't hunted them, they'll see you holding up uh, a coyote or a couple of coyotes. And what they, they want to do is they want to be a part of that moment, but they don't understand the math on that moment when you're holding up that coyote, that coyote represents X amount of dollars in gas, <laughs> X amount of dollars in uh blood sweat and tears exactly uh, exactly uh money for uh you know as much money kind of don't matter if he's shot with a uh three thousand dollar gun or a hundred fifty dollar gun he don't care but uh, uh you can spend as much as you want that's another thing i learned pretty quickly was um there are products that will help you and there's a there's the ones that it, it, you know and i would always think like oh if i just had this one thing right Right. The cows will come screaming in. And no, it the number a difference, one. Won't it? <laughs> yeah, and the number one thing that most people, and that's just you get this by learning it through suffering or listening to the professionals, is is woodsmanship. Yep. Um, knowing that you know when you walk into a stand, if the number one thing is wind. Oh yeah. Uh, direction for sure. and for sure. I don't care if you got five thousand dollars worth of products on you. Uh, coyote is not going to. Uh, and you play the best sounds of the world. He ain't going to come in if he smells you. He's, he's gone. And, uh, and so just knowing how to, uh, make, use the tools that are available. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Fox pro is the, uh, number one tool for me when I'm out there in the field yes, is, is knowing my calls and, uh, I run a Fox pro fusion and, um, but again, it's a tool in a complex, uh, puzzle that you have to put together as best to get to your advantage because you know with coyotes it's and and i mean to me they are an apex creature for a reason but even with amongst the coyotes there are just like human beings there's dumb ones i've had coyotes. i like the the dumb ones yeah oh yeah i give me them all day long you know but uh i mean i've had coyotes come in upwind yeah of the call i've had coyotes just burst out you know you realize they're just the 
the the ones that ain't gonna last long so you might as well help out the herd right, or the right. get them thinned out but uh they um and so for me again and and you know the coyote thing is like you said it gets in your blood and it's uh and so for me a lot of times when i'm uh and i've had other cartoonists professional cartoonists give me a hard time like man you, you sure do draw a lot of cartoons about coyotes and, and they don't get it either you know they're like what you know and i'm like well once it gets in your blood it's a lot of what you think about you know it's like uh and so i'm a lot of times just thinking about um how to translate a funny situation into coyote and uh and so you know it's uh it's uh, i draw a lot of coyote cartoons because right. i'm usually thinking about if i'm not hunting coyotes I'm thinking about hunting them. And while I'm hunting them, I'm thinking about them. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, uh, um, and like I said, it's, uh, and beyond the coyote hunting, and for me, it's been the, one of the biggest blessings with cartooning and, uh, the coyote uh, hunting is just meeting some, of uh, the nicest people. Uh, I know that about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, the organization I worked for had to sell that property. And I, I was pretty bummed. I talked to my wife. I said, you know, we're living in the University of Chicago. Hunting and fishing is a pretty big part of my life. Don't know if I can, you know, be nestled in the inner city for, you know, and be and missing out on that. And my wife, she's the the calm and collect person. She's like, well, let's just, you know, pray about it, see what the Lord opens the doors. And literally within about a month or two, you were one of the very first people that said, hey, man, you want to come on down? I'll, I'll, I'll come on down for a few days. Let's go coyote hunting. And my wife was mortified because she's a, uh, she's a uh, more of an introvert and she's like, you're going to drive <laughs> to some place you don't know to hunt with somebody you don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. She's like, and does his wife know? Like, you know, it's like, is his wife, you know, it's, and so she's like, you don't know these people. And I was like, honey, you know, I don't care. They're, they're inviting me to go coyote hunting, baby, you know? And uh, she's like, you know, well, what if they're weirdos? I'm like, well, I live in the inner city of Chicago. Yeah, I'm she, was sure I'm right about, she was probably right about, she was probably right about that part, about the weirdos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, for me, it's, I've literally never had an experience since then. I mean, I've gotten a chance. I've had people open their doors and let me stay. They invited me all over the country, yeah. everywhere from California, Texas, uh, Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, you know, all over, and uh, never have had a situation where I got, oh, this is a bad idea. I mean, just the nicest people treat me like royalty, and uh, great memories, laughing, telling stories, and um, meeting just great people, and being able to draw cartoons for them. And so I've been super, like, I just pinch myself because honestly, got to do this. I feel like I live an amazing, an amazing life. So well, you've you've definitely become, you know, well traveled and hunted several different mm-hmm. states. Do you have a do you have a favorite state that you like to hunt? Uh, well, the ones with the most dumb coyotes, which I'm still not sure which <laughs> one that totally is. But, you know, it's uh, – and, and that's another thing, too, that I've really been intrigued about is is um, they – every place I hunt, everyone has their own way of hunting. Right. And I've almost really – one of my big regrets is that I have not kept a journal – and I, I probably could sit down and write it all. And I've written, I've actually translated these a lot into hunting stories that I've submitted to magazines and stuff. Right. But, yep. you know, every person that I've hunted with has a different theory. Uh, and you and I have talked about this is that even down to not just uh, uh, sounds. Like I have a buddy of mine in California, he will not run anything other than uh, bird distress sounds. Right. And this guy kills a ton of coyotes. But he won't use vocals. He won't use uh, rabbit sounds. He just uses Fox Pro uh, bird, bird sounds. sounds. So, yeah, and, and it's just his thing. That's he's yeah. not he's not shaming anyone else who does anything different. But, well, he's found, um, a, we, found a groove. It works for him, and he keeps rolling yeah. with it. And but you know one of the funniest things for me is like hunting with each person and how they and I have to be adaptable. You know, and there's situations where I hunt with people like. Uh, uh, you know, and they have specific calibers they want to hunt with. Like I, my my buddy Joey Worth down in in Southern Illinois, he anything under a uh, uh, um, two two four two forty three. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he don't want you to hunt with him. You know, right. he's like he he wants to drop that <laughs> split that coyote in half. He don't want to go blood trailing it. He don't want to. You know, 
Uh, but then we've had the joke, and it's caused some controversy for me with people. Where I, I've made jokes about people hunting with a 17 caliber, and I know right. people kill coyotes with. I it think I've it. actually, I think I've actually got a couple cartoons from you. Yeah, that's got yeah, stuff on yeah. There. And that's the thing is, like for me, I, it's more just the joke of the controversy about it to me. Really, like, yeah, that's right. I, that's that's right. Yep. It's not like I'm telling people what you know, whatever. But I've gotten people so upset with me, messaging me, saying oh ugly gosh. things about me, and and I usually just turn around and laugh. And I don't take it personal, and I don't. I'm not there to be rude or ugly. You know, I'm just trying to make a joke. And but uh, and each person, like I had a buddy of mine was hunting. When we get on stand, he literally would sit for 15 minutes in the silence before he turned the call on. Yeah, uh, fifteen minutes. Like I, I'm ready to go to the next stand, you know, and pour it on, uh, pour it on them. <laughs> yeah, and so then uh, again, you know, hunting with people like Tory down in uh, Southeast Arkansas, where it's like you could barely see fifteen feet in front of you because it's so thick. Uh, you know, where we're hunting, I literally uh, a couple weeks ago had a coyote run within six feet of me. Uh, it was like felt like I was in a western, you know, it was just right. uh, shooting all over the place to. You know, I've, with, I've uh, already I've already heard you stories from being down there last week. I talked to Tori the other day. I heard, oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. heard about all the stands, y'all. Oh man. my gosh, it was one of the worst <laughs> shooting streaks. I, I he's got on film. It's embarrassing. He's, he's literally said, one. He said you shot three hundred dollars worth of shotgun shells. Oh yeah, I mean Apex is probably thrilled. I mean they're gonna be you know it's like I'm the I'm the shell burner man. It was like. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I, it was one of those things where it was like so horrible. And, and of course, you know, you think that missing on a coyote is the worst thing in the world, but you know, what's the worst thing missing on a coyote, someone filming you missing yeah. on a coyote and not just once, but like multiple times uh, to the point where I, I literally was like, either I'm about to snap this gun over my knee or quit this whole entire, I was questioning my life choices and, uh, Tori got back, we got back to his place and we cited it in and he's like, it ain't your gun. It's you. He says, you're dropping it. He said, I watched you. You're dropping, you're flinching. Uh, I hadn't been shooting my gun for a while. So I just, I guess, so he gave me a box of junk shells and I sat out there in the back of my hands house and just shot for an hour. Saw it just like, yeah, I'm going to get back that, into this. Getting that trigger time back in. To get yeah. And, uh, the, yeah. yeah, next day I redeemed myself with a triple, my first triple. Nice, and, uh, nice. And so, you know, for me, it's just, uh, but again, like that's the kind of things like, you know, the friendships you build with people where you can, uh, laugh with each other at times of victory and laugh at each other at times of absolute agony, uh, you know, misses and, um, um, you know, falling Tory also on that same stand of the triple, I lost my balance and went right down into a, down a hill into a briar patch and uh he's probably gonna get on america's when he's on videos you know but uh <laughs> um but you know it's the kind of stuff that you will not forget the rest of your life right. just times and things you've uh, been able to experience and uh um and so for me like i said super grateful and uh well, now that's now i'm gonna stop you right there now see that's that's the that's the politician answer i want to oh. know so you talked around uh-huh. it. i want to hear the state What's your favorite? You want to hear? I want to hear. I want to hear you say it. So you did what a politician does. They take it. Oh my god! They take the question and start dancing. Yeah, start dancing around it. You, nah. you, you can call me a politician nah. in Chicago. That's one of the ugliest <laughs> things someone call me, man. Right. Uh, but now, uh, I have to say, it's a pretty interesting answer, and I like it. But I still want to know yeah. what is your I favorite state, say, state that you've hunted in. I gotta say, I'm trying to think here now. Uh, I mean, to me, honest to God, truth is, I uh, the best probably time I had as far as uh, numbers and and really connecting stuff was Southern Missouri was yeah, probably one yeah. of my favorite spots, and I'd say Kentucky comes in the second just with those hills and stuff. Um, and uh, again, it's I know it's the politician answer, but I and you know if I had to move to a state, it'd be Southern Missouri or uh, Kentucky. Yeah, um, Missouri's got Missouri is a fun state. Uh, Beautiful oh, country, yeah. got a lot of coyotes, got bobcats too. Our buddy Corey, you're also over in Missouri, and man, does he yeah. pile up the stuff? Good grief! Oh yeah, the the one. Well, it's so yeah, it's so bizarre for me because living 
in Illinois where there's barely any bobcats. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you, we go over to Missouri and just tracks everywhere. And, and that was actually kind of a funny thing for you and me because, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but I'd kind of gotten in a, in a bit where I was like, I want to get my first bobcat. Right. And I, yeah, we tried. I talked we didn't to you have much and luck. you <laughs> tried to, Oh, you tried to, you worked hard trying to put me on one. And if I remember right, that one time was the last stand, nothing came in and we got in the truck, we drove, as we're leaving, there's a bobcat right on the side of the road just looking at me, and I think he was giving me the finger. I couldn't probably, remember exactly, probably. but I'm there's sure. just bobcat <laughs> literally standing right on the side of the road as we're leaving out of the stand like, oh, you, you know. And uh, But that's how it is once you decide on something. And, uh, you know, I, I tried for bobcat in Missouri. I tried for uh, California. I had a bunch come in that could never connect. And finally, it was down in Texas with Wade Chandler yep. and uh, Al Outdoors. And we were doing that high rack hunting. Yep. And uh, and just uh, that's a whole nother beast. And um, I'm, I'm assuming know. that was your first time hunting from a high rack at night. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And it was totally like something right out of uh, I, there were tons of cartoon material because Wade is uh he's an amazing host and once he found out I hadn't killed the bobcat he was committed he was it was like I think we were like three in the morning and we finally killed my first bobcat but um he is a mumbler and his brother Dan was there with us and his brother's hard of hearing from construction so they would be arguing back and forth and his brother would always said now what do he say and I had to somehow become the translator and it just was like something right out of a uh uh. Uh, three stooges skit you know it was hilarious but and, and again like driving around this gorgeous uh high rack and um you know all the thick brush out there and um but yeah i like i said i the places where i probably had the most sightings and just kind of even going on there's a couple times i was down in southern Missouri where my host had to go to a funeral at the last minute so i had to go out and do some solo hunts and i actually had some good success so that kind of uh, I like the idea of just the rolling hills yeah. and the, um, that thick stuff that you could uh, pull out either a bobcat or a coyote. Right. But uh, um, but like I said, I mean, I need to try more states before I come up with a rock solid answer. So if anyone, you know, <laughs> well, that's a pretty from, good answer. That's a pretty good yeah, answer. yeah. Georgia, South Carolina. I've been out and uh, I've hunted. Now the one problem I'll say with like hunting out in Wyoming and Montana for me was um distance oh and my just, gosh judging distance yeah. out there is horrible it gets me all the time oh. out there i i had a cow coming in and i stand one time and i literally thought it was a fox it was so small i thought oh that's just a, this is i didn't even know there was a seat you know i didn't know what the season was so i passed on it thinking oh, well really it was a coyote but he was so i i had judged the distance wrong and his body size because he was so far away but by the time i realized he was a coyote he had already got my wind so right, i'm like swinging right. my rifle to try to get on him and i'm like oh dang it that's a coyote you know and know but it. you know like i said in, in uh illinois missouri even kentucky different places i'm used to something under 300 yards right right and that, you're seeing coyotes at five six hundred oh, yards you can it's, see them coming from a mile out these little dots and then me and yeah. Abner was actually talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about how hard it is for me to judge distance out in those mm-hmm. western states like Wyoming. You know, I, and I told him, you know, I've been on – I can remember a stand. I was with my brother, and he's got, we was watching these coyotes come, and they were coming from forever away. And uh, they finally got up there and stopped, and, you know – I, I don't, you know, just rush the shot. I said, oh, I need to take them now. And I shoot and I hit like a foot in front of the daggone thing. My brother looks over at me and says, what in the world are yeah. you doing? And things like 500 yards out there. I was like, really? I thought it was like 250. You know, it was, yeah. <laughs> and I know yeah. that sounds crazy, especially for people that's out there, but live your yeah. entire life in Chicago, Illinois. Live your oh. entire life in the hills and hollers of Kentucky. They get out there to be yeah. wide open spaces. It'll, it'll trick you. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'd be hunting with these guys. Uh, well, I remember hunting with Scott Shreve. He's on the Fox. Oh, oh yeah. Field Scott, staff. great guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, uh, we were kind of hunting one morning. He goes, oh, we got some at uh, about just under 500 yards. And, I mean, I'm squinting, looking his heart like, what on earth? And and he hands me his binoculars. And sure enough, there's these coyotes sitting there along this uh, side of this uh, hill. And he's like, you want to take the first shot? And I'm like, and I'm I ain't shot at nothing over 300 yards. 
Right. And uh, I was like, uh, Scott, I can't, I can't make that shot. You know, I was like, uh, I'm sure somebody can, but I can't. And, uh, you know, my $300 Savage combo, you know, mm-hmm. and Scott literally doesn't skip big. He hands me his custom rifle. Uh, it's like a Valkyrie. I can't remember the caliber, right. but I mean, this gun, unbelievable. Doesn't he, I mean, my gun got dropped onto the, the tundra pretty far onto the uh, tumbleweed pretty fast yeah. you know <laughs> and uh as i and uh you know first time shooting suppressed i'd never shot suppressed before and There's so an eye he's opener i'm sure especially oh yeah and you can't you say you can't have nothing fun like that in illinois anyway oh no 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 only thing here illegal is uh is uh bad politicians so you know it's uh <laughs> they uh but um and uh you know it was just uh Again, like being in those different environments where you're having to adjust, whether it's a 470-yard shot, which because of his amazing rifle I made, but then you got other situations where you got you're down in southeast Arkansas, you got guys running within 10 feet of you, and you're trying to swing your gun around and try to get a shot off, and and so it's just trying to make those adjustments. And again, a lot of it's uh, through suffering. It's not a for me, the day it becomes easy, it's probably going to just lose. I'll lose interest, but I doubt coyote hunt will ever become easy for well, me. Yeah, so. you've, uh, you've had some pretty good experiences there, and you've got to hunt different corners of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And you've got to hunt several different terrain, you know, different types of terrain. And, you know, you'll hear people talk about, you know, they don't hunt anywhere else besides their home state. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. you'll, you'll hear them say, like, you know, if I could hunt such and so place, man, I'd pile them up like whatever yeah but yeah every mm-hmm. place every place you go to and you've seen this tim uh from your experiences but every single place uh has their own set of challenges and a lot of times oh, it has to do with the terrain like you was down there in arkansas i'm sure you all were hunting thick thick thicket briary jungles and then yeah. uh and then you come to a place like kentucky and it's more cattle pasture and small acreage crop farms and drops off in these deep hollers and it's just two different total different things then you go out west to wyoming and that uh, uh sagebrush country then it's a, another whole nother factor uh then of course like you was talking about missouri that's kind of like a hybrid between your mid your uh you know like the kansas country yeah. and kentucky it's got a lot of similarities yeah. but it's different and uh it's pretty cool that you got to travel around and hunt these different and then, oh, of course yeah. texas it takes like a different different world that's like a different oh, country yeah. but <laughs> oh yeah well that was always an adjustment for me because you know being in illinois uh there's so many laws about our guns and they know you know, get... much down there is as far as as far as oh i get yeah, oh uh, wade pulls up to the airport so i'm standing up front and he opens up the door to his truck and there's a ar in the passenger seat i'm pretty sure it's probably loaded Oh yeah. And he's like, "Welcome to Texas," because he's looking at me, looking down at that air, yeah. not in a not in a case, and you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he uh, even when I was in Wyoming, you know, it was like so it's so crazy because you get used to different uh, you know rules we have to abide by here. Like you can't, you know, yeah, uh, those areas a lot more conservative minded. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, to. well you know, and I was out in Wyoming and. Uh, Scott Shreve was like, hey, you uh, ever shoot prairie dogs? It was after, it was like 10 in the morning. We were done hunting for the day or the morning. And he's like, it's like, no, there. He goes, well, there's a village out there. You want to shoot at them? And I'm like, okay. And we'll just roll the window down. I was like, uh, you know, and just, uh, it's just a whole nother world because there ain't another human being for another 10 miles, you know. And uh, so, uh, but like I said, and I think that, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of debate on that as far as on a scientific level. People talk about eastern, western coyotes. And uh, and again, a lot of stuff I'm not interested in arguing about, but I sure love drawing cartoons about right, right. the controversy. And uh, people get upset with me. But for me personally, I think that uh, a coyote is a coyote, but I think that they respond differently. They use their terrain to their advantage. Uh, I think like in your area, you know, they're going to use those haulers to get in and around you ain't gonna run across uh right. you know yeah and you've seen and, that multiple times with me they just you know a lot of open ground out in front of you but next thing you know they're popping out of the shortest yep. shortest you know distance from you they take like you said use the terrain to stay hidden yep and, and of course obviously out west they don't have that advantage because it's literally the tallest yep. thing uh around is uh 
uh, you know, a shrub brush for, you know, 800 miles. So they've got, they don't have the option of dipping down in areas, but if they had it, they'd use it. And, um, and so, yeah, for me, again, it's always that constant puzzle trying to look and see what, uh, um, you know, when you get on stand with that woodsmanship, like I said, you know, and, and then even for me, like learning, uh, like with the Fox bro, like what sounds and right. of course there's always coyotes don't follow the rules. So there's things they're going to come into that, uh, everyone will tell you they won't come into. It's just like right. fishing, you know, say no one, no fish won't bite that lure. Well, I just lures, caught five yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, but, um, that's pretty interesting you know. you know, you was talking about the woodsmanship, um, that that's involved and stuff that you learned over the years, you know, making coyote stands and hunt different places. But, there's one thing that stood out to me when you were talking about your first successful coyote stand, and it's something I talk about with new hunters when I do seminars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You were talking about leaned up against that fence post, and you've made so many stands for X number of years, and mm-hmm. you've kind of come to the, you know, you really wasn't expecting to call anything up. Uh, mm-hmm. and one of the things I talk about is is to never become complacent on stand. Yep. You've got to always oh, yeah. think that you're or have the mindset that you know that you're going to call a coyote up. Because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're making those dry stands, making dry stand after dry stand, and everybody does it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at in the country, you're going to make dry stands just how it yeah. is. Uh, but you've also you've always got to think that that next stand, when you get on that stand, you're going to call coyotes up. Because what happens is, is when you do get complacent, that's when you usually call a coyote up. And guess what oh, happens yeah. if you ain't ready? A lot of times you'll screw yeah. the stand up. But for yep. you... You was able to bust one at eighty plus steps with his shotgun. <laughs> yeah, but that, but you learned something there. You learned that uh, yep. you can call one up at any time. Oh yeah, and and I think that uh, that's one of the things that is exciting. I mean, I uh, for me is um, I I I like even the dry stands a lot of times, and I think that this was something I made a mistake when I was younger or when I was early into it is I would have a dry stand and just get up and walk away from it. Right. But to really stop and analyze, right. and there are so many variables that really no one really truly knows. Exactly, exactly. But to look at each dry stand and go, what could I have possibly changed? You know, and... Uh, re uh kind of like critical thinking of your because a lot of times these guys you know it's like hey i got uh an afternoon i'm just gonna plop out a stand out in the middle of the field i'm just gonna sit where you know wherever well that you may be successful sometimes but you're really limiting your the odds in your favor unless you stop critically thinking i've actually seen that play out to my advantage through the years i had a years ago it was actually the very first stand i was making with my fox profusion and a uh, small little plot of land in Alabama. My wife's originally from Tuscaloosa, and her she their family had a farmer friend who had a very small piece of property that uh, had cattle on. And uh, I looked at the the aerial of it, and I knew there was only one spot with the wind that I could actually safely and realistically sp- set up. Like you know, this is probably where the coyotes are from what the guy was telling me where they were, he'd see them, his, their travel path and, uh, where I could actually set up and set up the fusion. And I mean, literally it was, I, the coyote followed the exact script because I started playing sounds. Um, I believe I was playing, uh, uh, the, the rabbit distress and, um, Oh, uh, baby cottontail. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I mean, this coyote just come bursting in and right, literally I could have just drawn out the whole thing in this coyote. And, and that, that didn't, that wasn't luck. That was literally analyzing and analyzing and analyzing wind, uh, where this cat would feel comfortable coming in out of this draw. And, uh, it was successful. You took, and, took uh, everything that you've learned over the years, put it yeah. together and made a successful stand out of it. It's pretty good. Yeah. And that's, those are the beauty ones because it's like, you literally feel like you are, I mean, it's just like sports. There's teams who win out of pure luck out of that one play. that just happened to be a lucky play, but there's right. teams that consistently win because they've analyzed and they've tried to, uh, really up their game by making sure they've got everything they need and be in the right spot. And so when those stands happen, 
it's it's magic because you really know you've actually definitely a smarter one of the smartest creatures yeah, so yeah a sense of accomplishment there on like what mm-hmm. you just said the smartest critter that you'll ever try to hunt especially here in north oh, america yeah. now team yep. i got a, i got a couple more questions for you here sure um you know we've kind of talked about this already but you know one of the things i always look forward to when we're hunting together is the storytelling all yeah. right <laughs> you know the, the the coyote hunting and making coyote stands is great too of course but uh mm-hmm. you know you've had some pretty interesting hunts over the years you have one that sticks out in your mind that you care to tell us about um well i mean i've i've always it's always the funny ones where it's like yeah uh, i want to hear a I funny mean, one are you <laughs> pretty well good i mean they uh years ago and, it, and it, of course some of these are just it's like uh crazy stuff but years ago i had a situation where i was down in mississippi hunting with a guy uh this is pre-covid and he invited me to come down simon riles great guy and we we're gonna go do some night hunting together and uh you know, when I'm down there, I'm hunting with people. I'm believing that they're, uh, you know, that we're all on, on board. And he is. It's not like he's doing anything under the table or anything that would be not trespassing or anything. But I'm just the guest. And I'm in I'm in southern Missouri. I mean, southern Mississippi. So I'm a Yankee. And I know I'm out of my zone. Well, we get out there and we call in a – and we were with one of his buddies, a guy by the name of Blake. And – we're, we're, uh, using tripods, thermal scopes, and, uh, their bobcat comes in at 200 yards and it locks up and Simon turns to me and says, Hey, you're the guest. Take the shot. And so I make the, I connect and make the shot, make a great, beautiful shot on this Mississippi bobcat. Well, Blake says, Hey, I'm going to stay by the rifles while you guys walk on out in that field. Try to find it. He said, you know, Blake's trying to find a heat signature so he can direct us to cause it was like knee deep grass out there in this pasture. So we get out there, we're looking around. Well, we hear this noise and this truck comes rolling up over by Blake. And I mean, this farmer just lets loose. I could hear it from 200 yards away. This <laughs> farmer's cussing Blake up and down. Who the Blake's on my property? And, uh, Blake is in a little bit of a high pitched tone. Like, uh, Simon. And Simon looks at me and goes, I'll be right back. Well, now Simon leaves me in the middle of the field in Mississippi I don't have a flashlight. I don't have a gun on me. And it sounds <laughs> like it's about to go south over there. Right. This farmer you is you have to fight your way out. And I'm thinking, I'm stuck in a field in the middle of Mississippi in a Yankee. And uh, I'm looking for the North Stars in case I need to start walking, <laughs> huffing at home. You know, I'm, uh, I'm just standing there and, just, and uh, you, all I hear is angry voices, people yelling. Well, Simon comes back and truck takes off and Simon comes back and his old farmer didn't recognize our truck, thought we were trespassers. <laughs> of course, uh, it was all, hey, so sorry for the misunderstanding. Yeah, everything was good. You know, everyone was good, but sure, I'm still, still got your blood, reevaluating. Still got, the, yeah, still got your blood flowing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, and, um, and you know, and I, uh, another uh, stand that was kind of memorable for me was I was in northern Illinois years ago and uh, – I, we were in a hunting competition with these two guys that invite me to join them. And it was one of these 24 hour middle of winter, just miserable weather. We hunted for 24 hours and somehow I'm always with the young guys and I'm sitting there just like dying. Cause I'm, my age is catching up to me. And well, last stand, it's like two hours before we got to weigh in last stand, the coyote comes out in this field and um, the, uh, guy next to me has an AR and it locks up on him. I don't know if he didn't have the, the action all the way forward or whatever, but he can't get the gun to go off and he accidentally drops the, the mag in the snow. Uh, <laughs> he's having fits with this AR. Well, my other buddy turns to me and says, take the shot. So it's about a 15 mile an hour cross. When I shoot at this coyote about a hundred yards and it, it goes to the left and, uh, he, uh, this coyote starts tearing down this field. Well, it's, it's doing the worst thing it can do. And that is run directly away from us. So I throw another round in my bolt action and I level up and I did a little bit of a, what they call it? Kentucky windage, oh, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I estimated, guesstimated and it's nanosecond. And I said just a little bit to the right shot and that coyote at 200 yards rolled up. I mean, just mowed him down. Well, they uh, and my buddies are looking at me like they think I'm a rock star now because I've just <laughs> shot this coyote right. on a dead run crosswind. Well, we get up now. I make a, a mistake. 
I get up and I leave my rifle there on the snowbank. And I get up to go get this coyote, and I'm about 10 yards from it, and that coyote stands straight up. Oh, no. Now, I don't know if it just passed through soft tissue and didn't hit any bone and whatever, but the coyote stands up, and he's he's – he ain't doing too great, but he's looking like he's ready to tear off. And I mean, I've hunted for 24 hours. I ain't losing this coyote. And I, all I got on me is a pocket knife. Oh no! <laughs> and <damn>. I literally <laughs> pull that pocket knife out, and I'm unfolding. I'm ready, to, and I'm trying to cut this coyote up from going off down this ravine. And I've got enough clothes. And I'm thinking I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let him tear up my hunting clothes, but I'm gonna get this coyote because right. I ain't, ain't losing it. Well, just then, as I'm committing to try to get to this coyote, my buddy comes up behind me. There, he finally. <laughs> He got around. Finally it. got it running. <laughs> and he comes up and says, whoa, whoa, stop, I got you. And then he comes past me and he puts the coyote down. So, uh, <laughs> but, and again, the people don't understand, like, you'd actually stab a wild animal. Well, when you blow the coyote, that one for 24 hours. <laughs> and you put that much time and gas money and effort. Uh, and so, you know, it's just, it gets, like you said, it gets in your blood. And, um, I, and, you I, know, and again, like a, I said, I've got a good, I've got a good one on you. It, okay. I don't know if you'll you'll remember the stand, but I don't know if you'll remember what happened before. We <laughs> you come out, I think you was here for two days and the, the, the calling had been pretty slow, but uh we <laughs> I think it was the last morning you were gonna be down. We uh-huh. made stands, 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 yeah. all un, you know, unsuccessful. It was down to the, you know, last stand of the trip. Mm-hmm. And uh we get up there hunting and start calling i look over at you and you know you're not really what i would call complacent or anything like we was talking mm-hmm. about earlier but i did notice that and people that that don't know tim he's got a beard oh, that hangs down to his belly button <laughs> down to his belt line now, i look over at oh, Tim yeah. and i say well tim the call has been pretty slow but you never know when we might call one up you might want to get all that beard out of the action uh-huh. that yeah, <laughs> yeah action i rolled gun. up remember that <laughs> <laughs> I rolled up my yeah, and that's the problem with his beard is if you ain't careful. I'm surprised that I don't get it caught on tools in my shop all the time. But I yeah, I got a drone. I think I sent it to you. Is me half my beard is stuck up in my jammed up in my uh my action. Hey, and, and guess uh, what? You got that? You got your beard out of the action. What happened? We caught in three pack of coyotes. What five? Yeah, minutes we later. did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'll I'll tell one on you too. It's kind of funny. So you know, being being a city guy, you know, I'm used to driving down paved roads and, uh, you know, uh, and of course we got your drive-by shootings and all that craziness, but, right. uh, you know, we were going to a stand one time and, and I always think I'm kind of hardcore and committed until I actually hunt with somebody who's hardcore and committed. And we were driving and that's one thing about Kentucky is always a little bit shocking to me is when you'll be driving down a road and suddenly just terminates into a creek <laughs> and, and and they want you to drive through that creek to get to the other side of the road and i'm driving a an s uh, i'm driving a saturn view it's like this ain't no four by four you know one time we went to that stand and i don't know you my eyes were so big because you were like oh we got to cross this mountain or this stream well it wasn't even I, a stream it was like an angry river to me and, <laughs> and you're down you put that your truck into four by four i'm watching that water come up the side of that door on the outside mines are getting bigger and bigger and i'm hearing boulders going underneath the like you know you're you're tossing your tires are tossing boulders and stuff and i'm looking like i don't know if i really want how good is this stand you know yeah. and uh, well, you kind of laughing at me like settle down we'll get you yeah, that's, we'll get the, you that's the reason i've changed multiple wheel bearings and cd yeah, joints yeah. and everything else in that truck too <laughs> yeah and, and that, again like i said for me i always just kind of chuckle and laugh when you're in situations that aren't you aren't normal and that's probably something that you're just used to doing and whatever but for me it was like uh uh, you know, that's committed coyote hunting when you're willing to go, uh, in a submarine that's, you know, a truck, you know, <laughs> to, to go get a coyote, you know, I but, am. uh, it's all about fun coyote stands, make with good, yeah. good friends. That's, uh, you know, that's, Absolutely. that's one of the reasons why a lot of us do it. And yeah. It, uh, it sure, yeah. a lot of good memories. That's for sure. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Well, Tim, we, we kind of starting to run out of time here. You want to, sure. you got anything you'd like to add to leave us with here well like i said i mean for me i i really honestly got truth uh just feel very much 
Like I live just a, a dream life in the way of like being able to be associated and work with Fox Pro as a company. And I, I, I know a lot of times people will uh, say these things because they're like sponsored or because they're getting paid to. But to be honest, I really value my friendship with everyone that uh, it's been. They've always treated me good, better than I deserve, and uh, they've always supported my work and. Um, for me just the hunting community too as a whole just really some of the most amazing people i've met have always been really uh indebted to people's hospitality and uh graciousness and willing just to let a city boy come down and uh crash on their couch and go do some coyote hunting and i hope to be doing it for years so like i said i'm just super blessed so. oh yeah we'll have to get you we'll have to get you back down oh down yeah. soon tim i sure. really appreciate you jumping on here i've had a great time man thanks for thanks oh, for thanks joining so us much, on this podcast Tim. thank you yep we hope everyone enjoyed this this episode and we hope you join us again right here on the fox pro podcast